by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Audio, there we go. All right, welcome back to Game Over Edmonton. Uh, we got the first trio cast. I'm joined by Zach Wheel in the middle and Avery Lewis McDougal on your right side there. I am, of course, Dennis Lee, and we're bringing you this electric win over the Calgary Flames. And boy, what a game. The, the Oilers really raised the roof in this crumbling sad dome. I mean, saddle dome. Uh, both sides put their hard hats on early, trying to cement a solid concrete win. But it all crumbled in the second period with a couple of quick goals. But enough about the arena jokes. Uh, hey, one other thing. If you want to get into the sports betting arena, our sponsors got you covered. So Want to bet? <laughs> you can do it at Sports Interaction. Canada's sports book. <laughs> Football continues. The World Series is around the corner, and they have dropped the puck on the hockey season. Bet pregame, live, in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn ontario only 19 plus please play responsibly all right guys let's get right into it what a game avery what are what are your first thoughts here well first thoughts edmonton goes on a road trip and they get points off of st louis chicago and calgary that is massive for this team get six points on the road trip and back home uh before they play new jersey national that was amazing and then you know, big credit to Stuart Skinner. Once again, he has a solid night in net. I've been a big fan of him since he came up to the NHL level and seeing him once again deliver and keep Edmonton in this game for many portions of the night. You're just seeing him say, you know, once again, I really feel Skinner will be number one goaltender or the franchise goaltender sooner than most people might think. You know, I know Jack Campbell was probably the number one guy, but Stuart Skinner is making a case to say, hey, maybe I should be the number one guy going forward. In my opinion, next game, I, I'm starting Stuart Skinner again. Stuart's played fantastic. Every opportunity he's had, he's put lights out. I'm so jacked. I don't even know what to say. What a night to break out the Zach Hyman jersey. That's all I have to say. Brand new, never worn. Perfect yeah, night. Zach Hyman is an absolute beast. He's got that dog in him. This game was absolutely crazy from start to finish. I was jacked. I was screaming. I was jumping up and down off my couch. From the very beginning, you could tell the Oilers came to play. They were they were way more crisp than we've seen at the start of so many games. They came out hitting. They came out hard. Both teams, I thought it was actually very equal for the, about the first period. You saw it ended 0-0. Um, it, 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 was, it was just a solid game for both teams, passing uh, everything. There were chances both ways. It was a goaltender's battle. On the first shot of the game that um, Hyman took on Markstrom, I saw Markstrom drop the rebound, and I'm like, oh, Markstrom's shaky again. Again, Markstrom seems to have the, his, his Oilers flu. It's he hasn't gotten rid of it, but uh, it, it seems like Markstrom clearly, uh, when it came to at least stopping Ryan Nugent Hopkins, because I could count at least four chances that Ryan Nugent Hopkins was stoned ice cold from by Markstrom. Uh, I, I thought it was in a great game from both sides. And like, you got to give credit to the Flames. And I, I, if the I, I was planning on, on this broadcast for the, at the third period for the Flames to maybe take the W. So I was trying to think, you just got to give credit where credit's due. Like the Flames five on five played a really solid game, but just the Oilers to come out 
and steal this game from the, I don't want to say steal because they, they, I think they did enough good things that they deserve to win the game, but to come out and take this right out of the hands of the flames. And it looks like the flames are sitting back. We can walk this thing to victory. Uh, I'm really impressed by this team. Uh, and, and it goes to that old narrative that we see some people push on Twitter that the Oilers they're, I don't want to say they're maturing because, you know, Drysdale just turned 27, right? Like they're, they're already a, a veteran team. But to win a game like this in Calgary and not a just run-and-gun shootout is super impressive, super, super promising. And I'm looking forward to some great things for this team. Uh, yeah, so I have my thoughts. Absolutely, yeah. That first period I thought was one of the more stable periods the Oilers have played. Obviously, the games against St. Louis were absolute standout uh, defensively, but I think this game against Calgary, both teams were relatively conservative to start out. I felt like both sides were playing, trying to feel each other out almost, but once that second period hit... The Oilers always have a little bit of a, a lapse in terms of uh, every game. That was <laughs> sort of our second. We got outshot 21 to 12. But actually, in the third period, even though the, there were, we were still outshot, Calgary had some major defensive lapses, especially starting with Jacob Markstrom. A Avery, what did you think about that Connor McDavid goal? Connor McDavid goal. It showed once again that Connor McDavid, he, he's kind of player when he wants to take over a game at will. He has the ability to. He's already had this year two hat tricks in the game in, in um, this season. He could have scored more. He could have had more in this game. He's showing once again why he is still the most dangerous player in the NHL. And again, watching him, watching his play, watching him dominate where he's on the puck, watching him get the puck to Zach Hyman. This is the kind of guy in which I would be hard pressed to vote against him to win the heart again, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's already conversations starting about McDavid for Rocket. What do you guys think about that, Zach? I think McDavid, is, I, I well, considering Austin Matthews only has two goals this year, uh, and I'm not sure if he scored again tonight or not, but uh, Connor, Connor McDavid keeps this up. There's no one's keeping away from the Rocket, the, the Lindsay, the Selkie, uh, even the Selkie. I get <laughs> him. He, he deserves that. No, if McDavid keeps this up, I'm giving him the Vesna. He deserves everything. <laughs> like, uh, the Vesna. The Vesna. Coach like, of the I, year. He's transcending. He's Let's the best player I've ever seen. Uh, literally, give him the give him the Kia NBA MVP. Literally, I don't care. Give him everything. Give him um, the Cy Young Award. Yeah, literally, <laughs> lock down when it matters most. He 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 comes to play, and I I just I'm so happy every time McDavid gets on the ice to watch Markstrom let it. I, uh, uh, earlier today, I saw uh, Flames media making fun of Mike Smith letting in that you know, 80 foot goal from, I think Rasmus Anderson back in the playoffs, even though the Oilers did win that game. So to see Markstrom led in a goal where he's just caught fast asleep on his post, he comes out, he just completely played it wrong. Uh, it, it just makes me feel so good. There's nothing sweeter than a win over the flames and to do it in this fashion where you steal the victory from the jaws of defeat, just feels so good. I'm so absolutely pumped up right now. Uh, I can't wait for the next game and go. And we kind of touched on this already, but next game, I'm going right back to Stuart Skinner. Stuart Skinner has done everything and more. I don't think, I think if you ask even the most optimistic Oilers fan, I don't think they would have thought he would have played this well to start off the season. He, he's been fantastic. Uh, another player that I think today, uh, even the last couple games, uh, St. Louis, Carolina, uh, and Chicago, and now tonight, I think it's continued. Evander Kane, I think, has gotten better as the season's gone on. I think one of the biggest things, he's always like with the Oilers, his tenure last year and this year, his pass, or his shooting and everything, he's always been really effective. But I think where he's picked it up over the last couple games is his passing. I think that was one thing where he lacked, you know, playing on a line with Connor back in the playoffs and in the regular season last year. 
Uh, he, and again, even to start this season, but I've noticed his passes are way more crisp. I think he works better on the line with Leon because Leon and him could get in and they can build a cycle and they can establish a four check five on five. And I think that works to Kane's strengths. I think Kane does put, do fine beside McDavid because he, he obviously can keep up. But I think that that overall that 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 duo of Kane and Drysdale has just been so much better than I thought. And then five on five, the line of, uh, yeah, you're Dennis. I'll let you jump in on Kane. I'll just, bring up my points. After. Just wanted to bring up, uh, you were talking about that second line there with uh, Leo Kane. How about that third member? Yamo has been really snake bitten this year. Uh, obviously it, it's just maybe gripping the stick a little too hard. We thought that there was a little bit of a sophomore slump last year, but this year it's really been a bit of a struggle for him so far. Uh, Yamamoto, I feel like, is he going to get demoted? Do you think that he deserves a little bit less ice time? No, no chops on the player. I think Yamamoto is a valuable part of the team, but we saw Dylan Holloway do pretty well on, uh, just a quick little shift with, uh, McDavid. Do you think that Holloway deserves a shot in the top six and Yamamoto quick, small demotion, maybe to the fourth line? Avery? Avery, yeah. You know, I don't know about the fourth line, but I would consider some level of bringing down Kaler. Because I, I like him even a lot. I've always liked Kyler. I've liked him since he came to the league. I enjoy watching guys who are my size play like they're six foot six. So I like I like seeing small guys play big, like Kaler has done for many years as a hockey in the juniors at NHL level. But when you're playing with Connor McDavid on that top line, you've got to shoot the puck more and you've got to convert on your chances. You know, McDavid. Even though Carter might be a 50-goal guy, we know he still likes to pass the, pass the puck more. We saw in that two-on-one with, with McDavid and Yamamoto. That two-on-one, it gets fumbled. Like, you've got to execute more in your chances, Kayla, when you're getting the puck from McDavid. So if there is a brief demotion from Woodcroft by him to a lower line, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that. I'm not saying make it permanent. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, you know, hey, Kayla, you got to wake up. So you're going down a line or two just for the time being because you've got to get things going now on this roster going forward. I see dark fighters in the chat says like uh, keep Yamo where he is, but uh, and and for me, I hate ragging on stuff for players, especially about things that they can't control. But I think against a team, especially like the Flames, where you could see their fourth line that was so big and so physical gave the Oilers a, a bottom pairings of D, especially a lot of problems. I think when Yamo's in situations like this, where he's playing against guys that are you know eight, nine inches and maybe have 80 pounds on him. You can, you can start to see where he's starting to get affected and then they're just too big and too, a little too physical on him. I think Yamo doesn't have the space. And then I think it gets in his head and you can see he, it almost looks like he has a lack of awareness where he's kind of turning out, turning out of the way, trying to circle back, trying to get passes down behind the net, trying to create a cycle to cycling almost uh, people that aren't there or where they would be because they're bigger, go straight to the net, whatever. And I, and I think, and I think Yamo overall, like he, he, he just needs, he just needs to gain that confidence against I uh, like to me those are playing New Jersey uh when they're in the game against New Jersey I would have Yamo back up on the top line because New Jersey obviously we know is a, a much less physical team mm-hmm. but I think for the game against Nashville I would have Yamo down maybe um I don't know if he could play the left wing with on McLeod of uh, Yamo McLeod Pugliarvi or you you do some sort of switching but I would honestly move Holloway up in the top six I thought Holloway played uh really well 
tonight in his limited ice time, it says here he only played five minutes and 29 seconds. And it's not like we saw any egregious play that would have gotten bench. I think Jay Woodcroft just in a really tight game tried to staple the rookie to the bench, unfortunately, even though Holloway was playing in his hometown. And I wanted him to early in the game, he had a chance. He was inches away. It almost slipped through Markstrom's eight hole. He almost scored his first NHL goal. But, you know, it's, it's going to come for Dylan. He obviously, I think he played really well. And I think he's deserved of a chance up top. Of what do you guys think? About Holloway, uh, quick note. This is a rookie. We're hoping to see more skill play from him. He is obviously a high draft pick. With Holloway, do you think that he'd be better off playing a little bit more time in the minors? Personally, yes, this game is a little bit of a tough call. It was very close, and you had to run a little bit more of a short bench. But I think Dylan Holloway does belong on this team. It doesn't seem like he he could go back to the AHL and absolutely dominate. But we've seen from his brief stint there last year that he's actually doing fine uh, in the NHL level. So I think we should keep him up here. One note on Yamamoto. He is, Yamamoto is a, let's say, 20 goal scorer or so between 80 games. That puts him at roughly one goal every four games. And yes, it's a, been eight games and he hasn't gotten any goals but that can change real quick after all goals seem to come in bursts so if he comes and scores three goals against nashville all of a sudden he's above pace so before we start getting too down on yamamoto i absolutely agree we don't need to shop him around some oilers media i know already wants to see what we can get for yamamoto <laughs> and i 100 percent agree we don't need to do that avery uh, I love seeing a shorter player as a, let's say, lower than average height man myself. <laughs> I love seeing small guys succeed in the NHL. Uh, Just quickly before we hop off um, Holloway, I will say something I noted earlier in the game. When you saw him on fourth line shifts with uh, Derek Ryan and Devin Shore, I, you can almost see that Dylan Holloway is just a little bit too smart for playing with those players. There would, Holloway would put himself in a, in a place where if it was McDavid or Drysaddle, they would have gotten him the puck for a rush. But you just see uh, Devin Shore kind of look him off and skid up the ice. And I don't think it's necessarily because Devin Shore was looking him off. I think Devin Shore just wasn't aware of the situation Dylan Holloway had or couldn't. I didn't have faith in his passing ability to get the puck across the ice to Devin Shore. I think if Dylan Holloway is on the team, which I think he should be, I think he's proven that he's skilled enough to be here and succeed here. I think he needs to be elevated into a higher role. Like, to be honest with you, has Warren Fogle really done, like, I know the line's been fantastic, but has Warren Fogle done anything insanely special to warrant his stapling to Ryan McLeod and Jesse Pugliarvi? Could we not put Dylan Holloway even there for a, for a game or two just to see how it looks, especially at home where you can control your own matchups? Again, yeah, just, just something to think about, something I wrote down. But yeah, we'll, we can continue on here. Just a quick point. Uh, you did bring up that third line. I love the fact that Woodcroft started with the third line. Uh, from puck drop, McLeod was out there. It really gives some confidence. Yes, they, they took a couple of icings. I counted about four or five icings from that third line in the first period. But in the end, I loved seeing them out there. I think Fogel, he's really snake bitten. It's just you're seeing him do the right things. He had a couple of great looks on net. Just couldn't quite get it in there. Uh, at the same time, though, Pooley Arby was a beast out there. I, I, some of the times it didn't capture on camera, but he was out there hitting guys, laying the body. There was a, a shift where Lucic was all up in Cloud's grill, and my man Pooley Arby just walked up there and said, no, sir, 
you walk back to your bench. We're going it back in. Avery, what did you think about that third line? You know, yeah, no, I've I've loved that third line since Woodcroft played together and watching Jesse Pugliarvi. He is someone where if Jesse isn't scoring, he's going to at least retrieve the puck or he's going to play physical or he's going to be strong defensively. He's going to find a, he's going to find ways to be effective if he's not scoring. And I love that the combination of Vogel, uh, McLeod, Pugliarvi, they're finding ways to be effective and be absolute hell against opposing teams. So I think it's value all three of these guys on that line. That's a great combination of Woodcroft. Is, uh, he's, found, he's found gold with these guys as a, as a, as a trio. I, I think that line's been fantastic. I think the biggest thing about the line, and obviously they're going to score, they're going to create chances, whatever. They all have offensive skills in, within themselves. But the biggest thing is they don't leak goals. How many years have Oilers fans been screaming for a third line that doesn't leak goals? Because for years, it would be McDavid goes out, he scores a goal, then the fourth line, whoever it is, Kyle Brodziak, whatever, gets on the ice, and next thing you know, the Oilers back to, tie, to be a tied game. So the fact that you have a reliable third line that you know when McDavid and Drossel are resting can go on the ice and hem the other team in. You don't have to worry about giving up the lead that you just earned. I think mentally does so much for the team. I think just strategically does so much for the team going forward. And he just provides so many more situations. You can rest McDavid. You don't need to double shift him. The, the third line is such an advantage and such a game changer. That's what takes clubs from a, the cup to be a true contender. Like you saw when Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup both times, they was that third line that everyone tr- uh, attributes those Stanley Cups to that Coleman Hagel uh, or the Coleman Goudreau um, Gord line. That that was that third line that they had that they knew could go out there and create offense and not give anything up. And I think the Oilers have their version of that line, especially when you, because you guys touched on it, the physical play of Jesse Pugliarvi. I know it was something that was criticized greatly last year was his lack of physicality because he's just such a big body and has that potential. So when you see Jesse going out and just hammering guys and watching him just toss guys around and him not giving two shits where anyone is, his stick is in every lane. He's breaking up every attempted breakup by the flames. He's hemming them in. It's so great to see. And you just see the makings of such, and the fact that they've been together. Like they, I know in the broadcast they touched about the Flames chemistry. Now that the Oilers have finally found three solid lines in a flick, they're all staying together. They're building chemistry. It's just been fantastic to watch. And like I said, all this does is build my excitement for this up season going forward. No, of course. And you, and you guys going into playoffs, we saw like Colorado. What did Colorado have? Three lines out found a way to grind mm-hmm. you down offensively, defensively. We saw them swat away the Oilers in four games, and. Now, you, you go into a playoff series now through Oilers with three lines that are reliable, and things might be a little bit different when you go deeper into the playoffs and you go into a round two and a round three. It might be a little bit different now that you have three reliable lines as opposed to Connor, Dry, Hyman, and then who else? <laughs> well, yeah, honestly, I think the fact that we're able to have these conversations now is just such an exciting development for oil country. I mean, obviously, Avery, you've covered the Oilers for years and years, and it's been some rough ones in there. Uh, did you ever think that we would be looking at the the current conversation and going, wow, we, we have a real goaltender battle. We have a legitimate number one goalie in Jack Campbell, and then this young upstart who's been with the system, a homegrown goalie from his hometown of Edmonton, Alberta, really challenging for the number one spot. I think when it comes down to it, this is one of the most exciting Oilers teams that we've had to cheer for for a long time. And that 
first game against Calgary was just so brutal and it was deflating for all of the fans to see how a poor how poor a showing it was. But this game was a tight checking game, a physical game. There were some messy goals. By all means, a lot of those chances up front were absolute just yard sale type goals with guys flailing in front of Markstrom and Skinner. But in the end, the Oilers find a way to win games. And that's what good teams do. They find ways to win games. What did you guys think about the fact that we've had a a solid run of games here now where we've gotten dubs? Uh, Next up, we have Nashville, which is no team to, to shy away from. Avery, what do you want to? What do you uh, think about Nashville? Nashville, that was a team. I know they've had a bit, a bit of a shaky start in the Central Division, but that is still a team that, for the past year, has been a perennial playoff contender. A team that you always see in the talks of being a possible Cup contender. So you can't take them lightly. No matter the fact that Nashville had a bit of a shaky start, you still can't take them lightly. This, this is still a team that has Roman Yossi on there. They still have a great um, forward core. So you know, this is a team you got to wake up for and. Uh, and again, I would say with Nashville, again, you got to get the first goal of the game. I know Edmonton has won three games in a row now, but again, what do we see? Giving up the first goal of the game against Calgary, that's a big thing. That's the one thing that worked me. Is that, ah, playing from behind again, I, that's one thing I have to work on, have to work on more. But I am glad to see this team, the resiliency, the ability to bounce back. So against Nashville, it's going to be a big thing against the Preds, finding a way to get that first goal. And Dennis, to your question, you know, I, you mentioned I've covered this team for a very long time. If you had told me back in 2014 or 2013 that in eight or nine years, you're going to have a homegrown goalie and another goalie who could be your starter when we were watching the mm-hmm. likes of Victor Faust oh. and, oh gosh, ben who else? Scrivens. Ben Scrivens. You know, I, I, like ben, I like Ben a lot, but you know, but, uh, well, um, oh, Ilya Brzezgalov and <laughs> I would have said you're not mm-hmm. because those were some tough times. Those oh, were some yeah. tough times from 2013 to about 2016-ish before Cam Talbot got here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, just looking forward, just looking forward to Nashville, I guess, for a second. Uh, it, it, it's always interesting to see how the Oilers come out when they have such a big emotional victory. There is that there is that worry that they come out, you know, a little bit emotionally hungover in the next game that they're, you know, the work there. You just saw how intense they were in that third period. And, you know, to keep that battle level for however long after we tend to sometimes we do see the Oilers drop games that they, you know, not they necessarily shouldn't going forward but i i don't to me i haven't even on it like to be honest you guys haven't even thought about nashville for a second all i know is i want Stuart skinner to i want Stuart skinner starting i want him and then uh we'll get let jack go against uh, against new jersey but i i'm not worried about nashville i still think this is such a big win. like to me this is one of those wins that you mark down and in in when you are going to clubs you look back at this when you just see how important it was for your club going forward like the, the beating the flames in this fashion after you came off looking so bad in the game you know a couple weeks ago against them i think this will do so much for the group going forward and i've said this before, i said this already but again i'm just i'm just so excited to see how they play the one thing i uh, just looking back at this game Obviously, again, the Oilers were kind of dominated possession-wise by the Flames five on five. Like they, they, they we all agree they played well. This is a game where I, I think the Oilers like they they capitalized on their chances, and that's all the Oilers need to do. They they are some of the best finishers in the NHL. Obviously, you look at the talent they have on their team. One player who drove me nuts, obviously, besides Kyler Yamamoto, because like there is still salvageable stuff there. 
what today was Tyson Berry. I don't know what you guys thought about the play of Tyson Berry, but I noticed, I thought today in specific, here was quite a bit of struggles there. If you look on natural stature, you're going to scoring chances for and scoring chances against. He was on the ice only for four scoring chances for and 18 scoring chances against. So not necessarily the best uh, best numbers when you look at it there. But even when you look at Calgary's first goal, Tyson Berry tries to hold the line, gets caught completely flat-footed because he is probably the other slowest defenseman. And I think it was Michael Backlund goes right in on Skinner, pops it pops a short side and it's, and it's a good goal. And then immediately the shift right after the, almost the exact same thing happens to Tyson Berry once again. And I just, I'm, I'm like, come on, man, you made the same mistake every single time. I find when he's on that power play, he leaks way too many chances. Um, he leaks way too many uh, shorthanded chances for the opposition. And it's, I've said this Evan, probably on every single broadcast. I would love to see you see Evan Bouchard on the point there just consistently. Like you saw, there was a shift in the third period where Evan Bouchard had the puck on a string. He was out there with a third line and he was, he went all the way around the entire zone, danced up to the top. And he, you know, it looked like the flame was going to close in and had body position on him. And Evan Bouchard just pulled some magic and ended up getting the puck back in deep. Like there is times that Evan Bouchard can just, can he can he creates so much more offensive zone pressure because of his ability to stand and walk the blue line that I think he would help. Not that the power play necessarily needs help, although the first, the first power play of the game, I will say, the, we, I, they, the first power play unit was only out there for a minute, which is a little weird for a J, for the Oilers specifically. Usually that McDavid is on there for a minute and 40 of that power play. Uh, but yeah, Tyson Berry tonight, I, I I thought he struggled. What do you guys think of his play? I, I'm actually, a, I don't want to make excuses for Tyson Berry, but this Calgary team is a very physically strong team. They're a big team. And Tyson Berry just, doesn't quite have what it takes to stand up against a guy like Milan Lucic as he's driving the net. Uh, it, I almost take it as a, a bad matchup for Barry. Yes, we we always rag on Barry on this podcast, as it seems. But we I think he was okay tonight, given how the matchup was. And it's not a it's not a slight on Jay and the coaching staff. It's just a, a, the manner of it. You want Barry out there so that you have your your power play quarterback, but you can't shield him from the opposition all night. Uh, I think the exact opposite would be something like a Nima Linen against a very fast, speedy team, someone that can just walk defensemen. Uh, you're very concerned about things like that, and it's just matchup dependent. Still, I think that... Tyson Berry is one of our best options. I know we we do have Broberg back in the Bakersfield he's one of, lineup. He's, one, he's definitely one of the six best options. I'll give you that for sure. But it, yeah, it, I, yeah. Uh, I wanted to bring up the fact that, yeah, we, we got Broberg back in the Bakersfield lineup. Broberg's been that guy who can switch between both sides, uh, left and right. What do you think about Broberg back in Baco and being healthy again, Zach? Uh, for me, I'm excited to see Broberg back up here. Obviously, he struggled in preseason. You know, it's, everyone knows that. Uh, it's something we obviously all want Broberg to succeed. We all, when we see Philip Broberg, we when we take off, we you know wipe off our glasses. We see like the reflection of Oscar Kleffbaum in him. So everyone wants him to succeed. Everyone wants him to do well. I hope that you know again. Normally, I would say, obviously, just call Broberg up. I don't know how the Oilers cap situation works. I don't even know how if they could call him up at this point in time. So that's probably maybe something Avery could answer better. I'm not too sure. That's I I think let him get a couple games in the Bakersfield. I, I think we're a little far away from Broberg coming back up. I thought Nemo Line played fantastic. I think against the Flames, 
when his puck handling, obviously is never going to be fantastic. He's never going to be a Roman Yossi, but I think where Nima Linen excels is in the corners and breaking up the cycle. And I thought he did his job tonight and he played fantastic. And I'm more than comfortable with Nima Linen in, in the lineup over Murray and Broberg for the foreseeable future. Avery? Yeah, friend, I was like, yeah, no, I agree. Watching him land right now, watching him defensively, he's the one of the defensemen, he limits zone entries well. Like, he's he's physically intimidating. You saw him right now as a D-man, like, his hips. Like, he's, he's what this team needs on the blue line as a physically demanding uh, defenseman. And you know what? I'm fine. I agree, guys. I'm fine with him right now. We don't need Bro- they, don't, they don't need Broberg right now, back at Edmonton right now. Let him play and make this field for a little bit before you do decide to call him up. So I think right now Nima Linen in that role on the blue line, I think it's a great thing right now. He's becoming he's a breath of fresh air on that blue line. But also now we talk about Tyson Berry and Tyson Berry, we gotta be honest, he's a great offensive demon. His shot from the point is effective. He is someone who you like to have offensively. Defensively, like that first goal, it was a moment of uh, like yeah. before. You what have seen these? that before where Tyson Berry throws the blue line and he's caught flat-footed. And he's chasing somebody in a situation that gets replayed over and over and over again. So, no, guys, I am very much the boat of let Evan Bouchard be that PP1 quarterback, see what he can do. Because at a certain point, you're going to have to let Bouchard take over that role. Because we saw earlier in the year, in, in the preseason, we saw Bouchard held that role quite nicely. So, I'm, I'm on the boat now where it's, you know what, you gotta try, you got to try that and put Bouchard on that fourth power play unit. Just to see what he can do when the lights are the brightest right now. Oh, Zach, go uh, ahead. One, one, I, I know we're kind of running out of time. And one thing I, I want to make sure that we touch on before, uh, just because it was such a crazy game and there is so many things to talk about. One thing I do want to make sure that we touch on before we, we end the broadcast is um, is the, the penalty kill tonight. Because if I'm not mistaken, Chat can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I do believe that this is the first game where the Oilers didn't allow a power play goal from the opposition. Uh, so I just want to, you know, give props to the penalty kill. I do want to say there was still some shaky moments on the penalty kill. I, I, I want to know what your guys' thoughts are, because it, uh, for me, when I watch the Oilers penalty kill, I don't think I've ever seen a penalty kill by any Oilers team in the past or just any other NHL team that seems to get so many odd man rushes on the penalty kill. It seems like at least once a penalty kill, at least Hyman and Nugent Hopkins or McLeod and Derek Ryan or whoever, or Drysaddle even a lot of the time, are facilitating odd man rush on the breakout. And it is to me, when I watch that, a lot of the times it does work because they are so skilled and they're so strong with the puck. What I see is is a team that almost is looking for offense a little bit too much on the penalty kill. And you could see in the defenseman, like with Kulak and Bouchard, they'll almost hold on to it for an extra second, where in years past, it would have just been immediately shot down the boards, off the boards, down the ice, where they're waiting to see if a forward can get open to get an odd man rush. And, and I, and I want to say that is the reason why the penalty kill had struggled in games past. But obviously tonight, even though there were some shaky moments, over, oh, the Flames are 0-3 on the power play and the Oilers, it, it obviously worked out in the Oilers' favor. But what do you guys think about the penalty kill? One, one point on that penalty kill. I think that's your fear is well-founded because we saw it happen to Calgary tonight. We had mm-hmm. Backlund and Lindholm go in shorthanded. We know that first goal was kind of rough on Barry. Let's just blow past that. But the fact was, they were on there for the shift prior. They had the rush. They were on there again after the goal. They were already gassed. I don't know why Daryl Sutter decided to send him back out there. Had another chance. And by that time, they were just absolutely gassed. Couldn't even make it to the bench in time for the switch. And that's what directly led to the Hyman goal. I, I mean... 
you're absolutely right in that we might be stressing a little bit too hard for offense, but in this sort of game, when you were down one, I, I can't fault them for trying at every moment to try and get a goal, even if it's shorthanded, even if you're playing, you know, in the end, I think they, the Oilers win games by scoring goals. We had an outstanding performance by Stuart Skinner, but this is a team that tries to outscore their problems. Sometimes that works. We're trying to minimize the times when it don't, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Avery, what did you I, think? No, I agree. This is a team that's, that, that, that definitely tries to outscore their problems. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it works in this team. But you know what? I got to the penalty kill. Baby steps. This is the first game we mentioned right there where they allowed zero goals on the PK. That's a great start. Now you got to build off that and work on that to allow to have the same thing, have the same result against Nashville and against New Jersey. But I'm satisfied with the fact that they went one whole game so far this year without allowing that because that trend is a dangerous trend when you get deeper into a season when you're battling for vision positioning, for playoff positioning. So I'm glad to see that 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 it improved. And he allowed zero goals while I'm down a man. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys, we are running out of time. But before we go, I wanted to first start off by asking you one one question. If you had one thing you wanted to nitpick or you wanted to just go on about in this game, no judgment, no, no calls back the other way. I'll start. I wanted to highlight Ryan McLeod on the faceoff dot because... Clowder had a 69% face-off percentage. Nice. And he's, I'm 100% going to point that out every day of the week. You can't miss that stat. Zach, what do you think? Oh, what just point? like, I, I kind of, uh, you know, I nitpick about Barry and nitpick about Yamamoto. Overall, fantastic game. One, two things. I have two things, actually, that I want to say. First, I love. I want to acknowledge the atmosphere at the Sound Dome because it's funny. When the Oilers are playing the Flames at Rogers Place, all you hear, let's go Oilers. Duh. That's all you hear. But when they're playing at the Saddam, you could just tell how many Oilers fans are there because audibly on the TV you hear, let's go Oilers. And instead of go Flames, go Oilers suck. Oilers suck. They don't cheer on themselves. They trash it. I love the atmosphere. I love being at games in the Saddam. If, I don't know if anyone knows this, but I actually live in Calgary. I'm a man behind enemy lines. I have family at the game tonight. I wish I could go, but I'm much I guess I'm much happier to be doing this right now on, on the YouTube with you guys. But and then one other thing I did want to highlight that I saw before the game is I'm not sure you guys saw the video of Leon with the 15-year-old fan from Germany. Yes. Yeah, giving him a stick. That, I thought that was awesome. And they had the little conversation in German. That made my heart warm. That was awesome. I love to see that from Leon. Leon's just one of the best guys in the NHL. And that was something I wanted to highlight tonight. Avery? Yeah, my thing to nitpick on, you know, it's a thing that it's a league-wide thing now. And again, the digital board ads on TV. I I understand why they're there. And there's a way to execute them. But please, the, the digital board ads, stop having animated ads when the puck is in the zone during a play. Change the ad when the puck clears the zone. Change the ad when there's stoppage in play. Don't distract your viewers' eyes from the play to the ad. Because people are not going to remember what the ad is. All they're going to recall is that ad in the middle of my play distracting me. They're not going to care if it's for Kudu Mobile or Telus or whatever. They're not going to remember or care. No, I, 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 yeah, 
everyone knows what enterprise is. We don't need to see a car driving along the boards to show us and, you know, completely, oh, McDavid's going this way. There's going to be a head-on collision. Oh, he just barely <laughs> missed the car. Thank God. But no, yeah, those the board ads suck, especially, you know, they catch them at the right angle. They start flashing. I mean, the first Oilers game of the season, I don't even think we talked about it on the broadcast, but the literally Zach Hyman at some points would end up behind the board ads. It, it was a mess. It still is a mess. I'm hoping it's something that gets fixed going forward because uh, I agree. It's something that drives me nuts during play. You don't even think about it until like it's pointed out to you and then it just pisses me off. But yeah, no, I agree with you fully, Avery. All right, guys, that's going to do it for tonight's broadcast. Thank you so much for watching. We've been uh, the trio. This is our first trio broadcast. Uh, Avery, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at AVRY. Four letters, quick and simple. Zach, how about you? You can find me at ZWheel97 on Twitter. That's Z-W-H-E-E-L-97 on Twitter. Yeah. Dennis? And for me, Dennis Lee Y-E-G. If you don't know how to spell my name, look at the description. <laughs> All right, guys. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching tonight. Our next broadcast is on Tuesday, November 1st. Wow. Right after Halloween. We'll see if the Oilers got a little bit too deep into the candy bucket. Uh, who's hosting that game, guys? Pardon? Who's hosting that game? Me. It's Zach. He's going to be yeah. with you on Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Wait, no, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Thank you so much for watching. That's it for us tonight as we recap this Oilers win over the Calgary Flames. Let's close it out, guys, with a big La Bamba. Ready? Yeah. Play La Bamba. Three. Oh. Two, one, play, play the little bomb, baby. <laughs> All right, guys. Bye bye.